Live from Guttercat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? Thanks for joining the space. So many people rolling in. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world. And welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest has been a vital role in the movement to bring NFTs more mainstream. After the $69 million Beeple auction back in March, many started wondering if Christie's would put more time and energy into diversifying their portfolio and bringing more NFT auctions to traditional collectors. In as little as six months, it has become clear that the answer is a definitive yes, and today's guest has become known as the NFT guy at Christie's for his large role in helping bridge the gap between the traditional art world and the NFT world. It is my extreme honor to share the stage today with the one and only Noah Davis. What's going on, Noah? Hey, thank you for having me, man. Of course. It's just been such a wild ride this year in 2021, and you being a part of this journey is just one element of the craze and of the hype and the excitement that is everything with NFTs. But before we get started talking about Christy, as I'd love to know just kind of your personal journey into the crypto or the NFT space, whichever came first. Man, well, it, it definitely was the NFT space first. I bought my first Ethereum uh, in April. So it took me even after people a couple of weeks to finally take the plunge. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, my background is very much in, in art. I, that's all I've done uh, in my professional career. Um, even when I was in school at, at NYU, um, I interned at Gagosian Gallery, which is probably the, the biggest blue chip gallery on the planet with, with all these locations around the world. I interned in New York and in Los Angeles. So that's where I cut my teeth as it were. Mm-hmm. And then after college, I went to work at uh, Sotheby's for a while and then came to Christie's to work in the contemporary art department. And this is really all I know is, is art at auction. I love the ritual uh, aspect of, of selling things. I like learning about new things. I like teaching people about new things. Um, and in the, the capacity uh, as the, the online sale guy uh, pr- before I became the, the NFT guy was the, the online sale guy for the <laughs> contemporary art department. That was the, the, the desk they came to with the NFT opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And that was when, when this initially came to us, it was not packaged as a, a Beeple NFT uh, per se. It was just an NFT. And I said, sure, that sounds fun. I'll try that. And um, then here we are now where I am very narrowly specialized um, in NFTs and and have kind of been baptized by fire um, in this crucible over the last six months. (laughs) I, I don't think there's any going back. Well, it's so. so so interesting too because of your traditional art um, nature and your your history as a like a student of art, and so I'd love to just kind of hear kind of where your conviction and passion for NFTs started to kick in because there's so many people in the traditional art world that still haven't kind of it hasn't clicked for them, and so I'd love to just kind of hear what was it. Uh, in April or when you started to finally dabble yourself into NFTs that made it just seem like, uh, like this, this makes sense. And like, I'm very, I be, instead of just, you know, learning about it, you became passionate about it. Right. Yeah. I I think, uh, so I, I, um, in high school, I played in punk rock bands and Mm -hmm. I've always been a big admirer of like DIY ethos. Um, and also like hip hop music production is a, a big inspiration for me. This, this idea of like collaging together all these different found sounds and like making do with what you got and being really scrappy. Um, and I see a lot of that passion and drive and bootstrapped kind of energy in the crypto space. So I really responded to that. Mm. Um, also the kind of anti-establishment vibe of of crypto decentralization obviously has a a lot of of rhymes uh with with punk rock ethos and and that kind of space so i was attracted to all of this but the 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 thing that really did it for me like the the light bulb moment 
um, if you will, was uh, when I was researching the the CryptoPunks, uh, mm -hmm. when I was preparing to place the grouping from Larva Labs in the evening sale in, in May, and I was browsing the the Larva Labs CryptoPunk site and 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 seeing all of this information recorded in real time in a decentralized way, that that was mind blowing because my my thought was what if this database, this compendium of information existed for something like Andy Warhol or, or Pablo Picasso's market, that market would be irrevocably changed immediately. That would completely change the dynamics of the marketplace because of all the transparency, um, the idea that you can see offers as they're even coming in and mm -hmm. being assessed and being rejected or uh, withdrawn, and, and you can follow the, the NFT back to its inception when it was minted seeing which wallets it moves in and out of all of that is is incredibly valuable and i i think that in the future all art marketplaces all all artists markets um will have some sort of blockchain integration where you can see this information um i i just think that people once they understand that this is possible to to have this kind of information available they will demand it and if i can be part of bringing that to fruition and promoting that and, and making people realize that this technology is out there and available, I'm all for that. I, I, I see so much value in that. Um, so I absolutely uh, I love that answer of your conviction moment. Um, and I think the reason I love it so much is because it just goes back to the disruptive nature of blockchain technology. I mean, you alluded to it, but you're 100% right when you talk about some of the um, the most uh, the best artists in the world that have the highest sales in the auction houses. Like you said, like this uh, blockchain technology, even for physical art, can start you you can start to record these things and uh, make it more transparent and make it so that you can see kind of where these things are going. Um, do you see that in the future of, you know, just the evolution of the technologies uh, eventually being more implemented into the auction houses, not just in digital art sales, but also in physical sales? Oh, yeah, without without a doubt. And in fact, if, if I was going to place bets, like if we if we jumped in the, the time machine and went back to the end of last year, I probably would have told you that I would expect blockchain um, to become an integral part of the art ecosystem mm, um, okay. as a tool as opposed to a collectible commodity yeah way and that would have been uh, uh, the the logical conclusion for me we sold uh, a collection from from Barney Ebb's work really amazing collection of, of contemporary contemporary and American works um, and more um, and that was in 2018 I believe we partnered with artery uh, for that sale and we offered nfts um, to keep track of all of the uh, accompanying information, the cataloging information for each of the artworks that we sold. So these were, these were, you know, pieces of, of information like uh, exhibition history and literature references and provenance and all of those things can be recorded um, really conveniently and transparently on blockchain. So I would have told you before the advent of NFTs, that's how you're going to see blockchain disrupt the art market but I, I would have been totally wrong obviously because now here we are where people are collecting nfts as a valuable asset in and of themselves um it's really amazing to behold it is insane. And you know, I love that you kind of took us back um, in time there because Christie's has been involved in their uh, arguably one of the biggest um, valuable assets around, which is the Lost Robbies was given away for free at a, yep. a Christie's event. And so, mm -hmm. and so these like blockchain has definitely been in the realm of discussion and in the minds of some of the people at Christie's. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of the, the historical relevance of the Lost Robbies and them like making this full circle in coming back and becoming like one of these uh, like relics that people are just searching all over for. I mean, it's it's it, without being annoying, or maybe this is just annoying and it's inevitable that I'm going to be <laughs> annoying with this comment. Sorry, but it's poetic. It's it actually is poetic that mm -hmm. they they were given away um, and treated like something that was given away by a lot of people. Um, and now, lo and behold, are extremely valuable pieces of the burgeoning history of, of crypto art and, and NFT collecting. 
So I, I put out a tweet the other day, which which actually led to a lot of really impressive leads. And if anybody who is on here in this in this spaces sent me a DM and I haven't gotten back to you, I promise I'm going to. Uh, but I, I put out a tweet um, asking for people to send me their lost Robbies because I want I want to bring one back um, and and place it in an evening sale context where it belongs at Christie's and possibly also do some interesting programming and and events in the metaverse uh, to to sort of uh mime with the events that we did uh previously where these were given away um but that's all in the works still for next year i think it's indicative of just how quickly the the perception has has shifted or the paradigm has shifted right where nfts went from being this um something that was eligible to be given away to something that is worth hundreds of thousands if not more than a million dollars yeah so I mean, you can't you can't ask for a more potent symbol of of how relevant this stuff is um, to pop culture and and to visual culture and technology culture at, at large. Yeah, and it's just so interesting too to see the evolution. Like you said, just in a couple years of how quick uh, something like CryptoPunks or the Lost Robbies that were basically handed out for free, how fast they become so culturally relevant because they were discarded. And like you said, it is almost poetic. Um, but then we come, you know, fast forward to you know the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 when. And a lot of people were starting to get head deep and diving deeper into NFTs. You saw more market makers in some of these markets like the crypto punks. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you have, you know, the kind of um, the top or the peak of where people's $69 million sale that just created shockwaves through the entire ecosystem. And I'd love to kind of hear what the climate around Christie's was after that sale and just how important it was um, that, you know, that continued mainstream adoption after that moment, like what people were talking about inside of Christie's or (laughs) how they were feeling about this massive sale that went down and then like the future of getting into the NFT space. Yeah. Well, I think it was a, it was an, uh, an equal mix of euphoria and terror Um, (laughs) and to a certain to a certain degree, it's still like that. You know, every every day is is uh, is a journey and a blessing. Uh, but I think we were definitely um, uh, shocked, uh, to put it bluntly, um, by the results of that sale. Um, going into it, I remember asking Rioma at uh, at Maker's Place, who are our collaborators and and our conduit to people for the consignment, um, what do you think this is going to make? And without batting an eyelash, he said a million bucks. And I said, well, great, that's fantastic wonderful um and honestly if it had sold for a million bucks i would have been incredibly happy and satisfied um i could not have in my wildest dreams predicted that it would go 69x that uh (laughs) so yeah i mean it was it was definitely an an insane wake-up call uh an explosive result as you say um and i think it really galvanized everybody in the business as well as terrified everyone in the business because it was apparent that this was not going to be just sort of a one-off thing that I was throwing into my online sale as a lark, but it was going to become a, a pursuit for us and, and have to. Um, it was very apparent, you know, that this is, that this is a really consequential sale result. It's much bigger than this just one explosive sale. We got to keep on going and see how far the rabbit hole goes. Yeah, I love, and you can feel that you guys have been going down the rabbit hole ever since. And but I imagine that with that, because this is like a revolution of sorts, because it's new and people have to learn. It's not like an art historian has anything to go mm-hmm. back in their history books. So I imagine there's a lot of educating that's been going around behind the scenes at the auction houses. Oh and, yeah, and, and and publicly too. Like we just we just did the uh, we did an exhibition for Art Blocks and Curio Cards, and it was really fascinating. This was we sold these in our, our post order present sale. Um, it, it feels like a month ago, but I know it was just a week or two ago. Um, when we were on the floor of the exhibition, I was helping clients download MetaMask for the first time. I, oh, even, wow. I helped a guy who was who was in his in his eighties in a wheelchair download MetaMask um, and buy some Ethereum. So that was that was I mean talk about insane like chills you know the hair on my arm standing up kind of vibes yeah um that that is really remarkable and you compare that to the kind of frustrated um hand wringing that was happening in the art world after the beeple sale you know say what you will about 
about crypto and blockchain and all this stuff. But there's there's something about it that is a little threatening to the old guard of the art world and and definitely very disorienting. And the aesthetic is not in line with the the kind of lofty intellectual goals of, of 21st century contemporary art. Um, so to see that shift from from kind of skepticism or disbelief or horror to curiosity mm-hmm. and even you know wanting to be a part of it downloading metamask i mean that that's huge i was really i was really blown away by that reception it's it's amazing to see not only i mean the auction houses no matter what you feel like um because some people feel like older systems that are coming in you know pose a threat but at the end of the day you guys are really uh, adopting the evolution of of art and it's a very historical uh in in looking back to today's moments is going to be looked back in hundreds of years as the moment that you know digital art really took off a digital art renaissance people have been calling it and it's just beautiful like you said not only are the historians at christie's having to learn about this new form of art but then also you're able to help educate traditional collectors because once we get it in traditional collectors hands and they start circulating i mean that's just a that's a massive opportunity for the space to continue to grow yeah 100 percent. so uh are there any so when you are educating or when um between either educating collectors or educating within uh what are some of the main initiatives that you guys have going are you expanding i mean you can't be the only uh person at christie's anymore working on (laughs) nfts well <laughs> well, oh, um, we're I mean, moving. We're moving a little too slow for the NFT space. That's why no one needs more naps, is because he's yeah. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nap, nap time. Um, so we just hired somebody to to be a coordinator for for the NFT endeavors at at Christie's. I'm really looking forward to him starting. So shout out Teddy, Teddy, if you're listening, hurry up, man, come come to New York, please. Um, and, uh, we, we newly have a, a business director who's focusing on, on NFTs, but actually uh, I'll be honest. It's, it's really been, I've been doing this alone, um, since, since March. Um, but it's been, it's been really, really rewarding. Honestly, like I've been, I've been loving it every second of it, even though it's grueling. And, um, again, I keep saying horrifying and terrifying, but it's true. Like there's the, the, the emotions in the space are, are, ratcheted up to 11 at all times because so much is at stake because this is we're we're like dictating the route for for culture going yeah. forward and that is that's a kind of uh amazing responsibility so yeah i've been i've been really uh dedicated to this and really um impressed by the community um and yeah just i i'm excited now that i will have a couple more people working with me and i think we can be that much more effective but it's been a it's been a passion project for sure are there still people within the the christie's organization where there is that tension where they're just they don't they wouldn't care if nfts was just uh taken off the slate because i imagine also i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on you know every time a lot is taken up by an nft that's just um a, a lot that you know in the traditional world that you know, there's that tension because now it's going to some, some other group that these, a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's so much the case. Definitely. There are people at, at, at Christie's who don't like NFTs. I don't like a lot of the things that we sell. That's totally fine. Like we, we all are very passionate. That's ultimately what makes us good at our jobs at, at Christie's. Like yeah. everyone who works in a specialist department has to a certain degree, a almost manic intense passion for their for their expertise um so i get that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and uh foist it upon everyone yeah um but i think that i am very very lucky to have a plugged in and passionate legal department and credit department and finance team and client service team too because they are all contributing to this in a really critical essential way so i think that everyone is equally excited about the opportunity who's working on it um from the ground up and and i think anyone who is um you know contributing in a constructive way uh or a critical way too is is more than welcome within the company 
I love that. And I, I mean, you're right. Every, every little sector or like segment of uh, any sort of organization is going to be passionate about their projects that they take on. Um, one thing that I think is interesting about the NFT space, which I'm sure you've been able to kind of chat with people about the, the amazing aspect of where we're heading, is that Web3 brings community together in a different mm. way than we've ever seen before. So I'd love for you just talk about uh, v- like the traditional world versus how we're starting to be able to engage with art and artists and how that feels different in web three versus like traditional art world. Yeah, that's, that's another aspect that has really blown me away um, in the space is, is getting to, to engage with the audience in such a, a, a fluid uh, and consistent way. I, I think to a certain degree, the people that are really successful in the space are just perpetually plugged in. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be a dystopian, you know, like, oh, boo-hoo, you're not going outside and touching the grass kind of thing that you, you find a balance in life. Everything is about balance and, and finding moderation. Um, but I think that the people who are building their communities and really sensitive to the feelings in their communities and empathic towards those people, um, that's where you see the most success and the most potential for growth. I mean, these, these projects um, are no longer going to just be you you mint it, you put it out there, and and people engage with it, and then turn to the next thing. Like you have to continue to have that engagement and that growth. And this is why there's been such a fixation on the the roadmap, you know, and the idea that 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 we're going somewhere. Um, I think that's really compelling. Previously, artists their responsibility was just to make something and move on to the next thing, and now it's more about nurturing this, growing it. it it's a it's it's not a uh, a sort of um, what's the right word for it? It's not just something that you that you finish, right? It's yeah. always a work in progress, almost, which is really interesting because the 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 art is so much more plastic. It's not a static thing. I love that, and you see that with certain projects. I mean, the thing, biggest one that comes to mind is the Artifact Studios, and with how they they're incorporating. If you mm. have their previous you know, NFTs, then you are getting special access to their their avatar drop that they've got coming up. And I think that just goes to show that, you know, when you have, an, it's a whole nother element as an artist, even when you're, you're able to give back or you'll be able to track where your um, collectors are at and you'll be able to do things for them. Because like you said, like when you have when you have that ebb and flow, you're able, it's more of a movement with each other and you, the, the collectors and feeling that appreciation, it just seems like naturally there will be more and more people coming to the space because they actually feel more valued as collectors than in the traditional art world. Yeah. Yep. And, and also it's all, it's all there too. It's all explicitly recorded indelibly on the blockchain. And so that is such a more potent thing than just the rumor that somebody owned something or that they that they might have something. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's all right there. It's all public. And that yeah. is a really radical development. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true because you can't just you can't walk into someone's house. They say this is this piece and you're like, oh, OK. And you just trust them. Right. Like when it's on the blockchain, <laughs> you can scan a QR code that's right next to the piece and you can verify like, oh, wow, you actually own this. And this is like, mm-hmm. this is who minted it. And uh, and I, I, I love that um, aspect of blockchain. And I think that we haven't even started to dabble in terms of uh, like when it comes to uh kind of displaying these in the physical world it's still we still haven't got to that point but you can just see how like vr and ar just take this to another level as they continue to develop where you can have you can have things in in your house and you can display these in so many unique ways and you've kind of started to see it but it just reminds you how early we are because it's definitely you know a work in progress in every in every aspect of that word yeah yeah for better or worse (laughs) yeah yeah do you see with uh where digital art is going and kind of how it it entrances you and makes you just kind of go down the rabbit hole it's a common uh, expression do you see a world where we also become almost more like digital beings in a sense where we're just connected even in a deeper way because now we have you know not only our physical before i feel like 
before we got into this new age, you know, you have like a detachment of valuables mm. and things like that. But now in Web3, everything it interconnects you within your your sphere online and you can you all of that verification happens there. So I'm curious, yeah. you know, how much this kind of evolves us as humans too in terms of our connection with technology. Yeah, well, I'm I'm really just looking forward to the day where I don't have to keep track of all these dumb, janky passwords that I'm cycling through <laughs> with like different capitalized letters and numbers and whatever. Like, I'm I'm so sick of that. I want it to just follow me around. I want it to be part of me the same way that my irises are part of me. You know, I was just just today. I'm I'm thinking a lot about travel because I was on planes. I've been on a lot of planes recently, and and I have clear and scanning my my irises to get onto the 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 flight. You know, to skip through security with with clear. I'm I'm seeing parallels to that with with Web three and how you can take your identity with you wherever you go. Um, so yeah, I welcome it. I think that it is inevitable that people want convenience and they want to trust each other, and that is really ultimately the biggest, most revolutionary secret sauce when it comes to crypto and and blockchain is that this stuff systematizes trust. It, mm-hmm. it removes it removes this kind of doubt. Um, from the equation, which is why in the the book Animal Farm you end up with the weird dystopian horrible, uh, you know, uh, perversion of of a communist reality. But with with blockchain, there's a weird there's a weird kind of gateway to a, a techno socialist almost future. Yeah. Um, so all of that is really exciting to me. Okay, I have a a question that you probably can answer better than most since you're entrenched in the traditional art world and you have an insight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do you think are some of the biggest barriers right now to wider adoption f- from like traditional collectors uh, in the NFT space? User experience, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely the the interface um, and and the amount of of I guess layers to to completing a transaction on the blockchain. Because you you have to have your your MetaMask, you've got to have your Ethereum, you got to have your your wallets. Like all these things are 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 cumbersome. You know, they're they're you have to get through these these barriers to entry almost. Um, and then even when you do, there's all these big confusing lines of code, and you got to copy things over, and you might fat finger it and fuck it up. Like all of that <laughs> is is terrifying to somebody really who is. doesn't have. Uh, an hour to sit down and educate themselves on how these these different apps work and and how the blockchain works. I mean, you really the only way that I've been able to to keep up is is through full immersion, twenty four seven immersion. And I know that most people are not motivated the way that I am. Where it's like, you know, I, if this if this thing hadn't happened to me, if I hadn't been in the right place at the right time, I probably would not have committed to learning all of this and having it open my eyes. Like what I'm trying to do is is make this um exciting to other people in the same way that it was to me by by kind of hitting them over the head with it <laughs> i love that i mean but it's I think so that the true user, the, the user experience has got to improve for yeah sure. and i mean today i mean even today we kind of got a kind of a big step in the right direction with coinbase announcing that they're going to start um adding uh, mm-hmm. NFTs, and so it's just another layer. Now you don't have to transfer. It's it, the the more that we can take steps out of the equation, so that it's like you can do this, and then you can buy an NFT instead of you need to take mm-hmm. these five steps. And you know, it. I think. It, even if someone isn't necessarily on a completely decentralized exchange, well, as long as they can still buy their first NFT or they first buy their crypto, then you start learning about everything that is involved in in the blockchain and what, you know, governing your own keys and things like this mean. And then you kind mm-hmm. of start going down the rabbit hole. But the easier we make it to make that first jump, I agree. I feel like the you, the interface has to be so simple and clean to where people don't even necessarily have to understand what is going on behind the scenes or even that it's on the blockchain or understand the blockchain but but basically by owning that piece and them knowing it's valuable then they can start to develop that knowledge further mm-hmm. yep i love it um okay so many don't realize that a transition from di- tra- traditional art 
to digital is not one that exists seamlessly. You know, there is a lot of tension from various forces <laughs> in the industry that push back. So I'd love for you to also explain uh, why that happens and what it means uh, for every auction where we're starting to see more and more NFTs come into the space. Um, when we continue to take more and more space in the auction house, what that means over time um, for like the future of incorporating it and ingraining it into the history of these auction houses? Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. I think ultimately it comes down to what the artist wants to communicate to the audience. That's really like the, the NFTs. I don't see a future where NFTs are the only thing that, that Christie's is selling. Like yeah, that is no. not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Um, artists have different uh, needs. Um, it, it, it really depends on their message. Um, but I think that if I was to pick one medium where where it does have a ton of potential to to revolutionize the whole field, it's probably photography. And I have a thesis on that. It's it's because I think um, that a lot of the sex appeal, as it were, for for photography went out the window with the digital image, um, because until very recently, the digital image had no currency. What made photographs really beautiful and and intriguing and kind of magical and mysterious was the the darkroom effect. You know, the idea that these were um, I was going to say minted. <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> you are fully immersed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, developed in a dark room uh, by the artist, by the photographer, by their studio. You know, very carefully. It's almost an alchemic or magical process, the photographic process. And there's so many different ways to do it too, like a collodion print or a gelatin silver print or a wet plate photography, and uh, you know, all these different methods. Um, but after digital photography became a thing and, and then became ubiquitous, and now we have cameras in our phones, the digital image doesn't feel that special. Which is why actually the whole right-click save thing that people are banding about is that's that's a legitimate takedown, but it's only a legitimate takedown before NFTs. Mm -hmm. Like people who are making that joke don't realize that NFTs totally negate exactly the premise of their of their <laughs> yeah. joke. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, yeah, that's that's exactly right. You're exactly right. You can right-click save a JPEG, but you can't right-click save an NFT, and that makes the asset just that much more convenient and ideal and again restores that magical aspect that that photography used to have so i don't think that that painters there's much utility for nfts for their practice like they they've already got a magical object mm -hmm. um in a beautiful painting um but with photography um i do think that it's a different kind of of uh solution I love that you mentioned that because it's it's just interesting. I was just talking um, this past Sunday with Farouk on, we have a show called NFT Rewind, where we just recap mm. everything that happened in the past week. And we were talking about Justin Aversano's Twin Flame yep. selling for $1.1 million. And just the kind of ripple effect that that can have, that for all the other photographers that watched it happen, that saw, oh my God, like how this piece got $1 million and it's an NFT. Mm -hmm. And now that makes them want to go and look into what is this? Why? Why did it this... was the top lot in the sale? The top <laughs> lot in the photograph sale. It, it beat out Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams, one of his most iconic pictures, and Justin Justin Arvizano's favorite image by Ansel Adams. Uh, like that's just, I mean, that's incredible. If I was a if I was a grad student studying photography or in, uh, getting my BFA in photography, I would I would I would obviously learn how to use the dark room and make printed photographs of course i'm not i'm not saying you should only think about nfts but i would be making it a huge priority to learn how smart contracts work um and to see how how this new medium could really uh invigorate my practice yeah is, is that kind of how we continue to see the spread i mean when you do you, have you spoken with anyone within christie's or do you have traditional um artists coming to you that have been kind of a uh that frequent the auction house asking questions to you about uh mm -hmm. kind of what is going on because we've seen you know damien hearst now has uh his own nft we've seen several traditional artists starting to trickle in and so i'm just yep. curious if behind the scenes there's a lot more kind of talking and um, collaborating and thinking about these things um, happening in the background. 
100% yes. I have uh, standing check-ins with a, a handful of artists who I, I can't identify, but right. who are very interested in NFTs um, and likely will have their own uh, projects, endeavors, one-of-ones uh, coming soon. I think everyone's trying to be really thoughtful about it, which is really compelling too. You know, nobody wants to do it um, just for the cash grab. Mm -hmm. I mean, plenty of people do, obviously. But I'm not wasting my time talking to people who are only interested in, in making a, a quick buck out of this. Like I, I'm, I'm really uh, encouraged by the dynamic ideas and the thoughtfulness that these artists are putting into their, their projects. So when they do enter the space or if they ever enter the space, I'm pretty confident that if they do, um, it'll be an impressive uh, output. Yeah, I can only imagine. We've already started to see some of the uh, what is possible and the amount of attention that gets whenever someone that's been, you know, in the traditional art world kind of enters the space. And there's always mixed review. But at the end of the day, when they are taking time and really developing an art behind it, I mean, the currency project by Damien Hurst is just so uh, interesting. I love yeah, and, what and he's Tom doing. Sachs. Tom yeah, Sachs Tom Sachs and also one. great. Oh, and that was yeah. so fun. I mean, I talked to several people that actually went to the rocket launch and they loved it you know just like again mm -hmm. that community interaction that was possible with uh, yep. that entire experience just takes it to another level and so it's just so it's so fascinating um we haven't ever seen someone you know premiere that you know an nft their first nft ever being at an auction house i'm curious do you do you ever think that will happen where you know a traditional artist is like i'll do an nft but i want it to be auctioned or do you think it's important that they kind of enter the space and get to know the community uh and figure out you know make their first sales on some of the original platforms before kind of getting into the auction house oh man i'm not i'm not interested in like putting down or laying down the law and making rules <laughs> here i think i think ultimately yeah. it, it it again i'm gonna have to to, to kind of punt this one a little bit but it, it it comes down to what the artist is trying to accomplish you True. know if they are really in it to make a community and to to have this be a lasting thing or if it's just you know they're using the medium of nft to make one statement and then they're going to move on i mean there's just it, it's it's way too uh nuanced a medium for yeah. me to say like understandable only one path forward definitely definitely can see that but i will i will say it seems like you know we used to when you go to networking events you hand out little uh like little cards with people's names on it but i imagine that you have a long list of uh people that you trust in the space that you have to give artists names to you know that they can go to to learn and kind of Go, who to go to for smart contracts, who to go for mm, yeah. you know, learning. Mm -hmm. I imagine you're starting to build a, a very big portfolio of, you know, people that you trust in the space that you can send totally. these traditional artists to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. I, I think probably my, my favorite people working in the space right now are Manifold, without a doubt. Yeah, Manifold, Richard, Richard and Wilkins and the boys at Manifold. I'm really proud of them and especially their their most recent round of funding. Um, so yeah, I think that they're building some of the greatest tools, uh, in the space. I, I absolutely love what Richard's doing. He's been on the show and I talk to him uh, frequently, but one of my favorite things is just how he, he looks at the smart contract as art in itself and every smart oh, yeah. contract With, he makes is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Mad Dog Jones replicator smart contract, um, is probably my favorite, um, work of crypto art, the, the smart contract, you know, the yeah, underlying the actual smart contract. Smart contract. And I'm contract. not. I'm not a tech dude. I'm not a coder and I'm relying on, on the opinions of people who I trust here um, to make that kind of statement. But I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's grandiose. I don't think it's not true. I really do think that that probably that's the most impressive piece of crypto art that's been put out there so far. What is the, uh, what is the take with um, you have obviously NFTs uh, in the space that are done by artists, uh, one of ones. And then you have, you know, a lot of these avatar projects like, you know, Bored Apes and the Me Bits that were recently mm -hmm. auctioned as well. And so I'm curious, what are some of the, um, what are some of the takes from your side of they're both totally different types of elements to them, but in the long run, they'll both, I'm sure, be wildly successful. So how do you go about like all these different niche markets in the space and try to evaluate and try to learn about um, and the importance of what aspects and elements are important for each one? Yeah, I do a, I do a lot of lurking. <laughs> I do a lot of lurking on, on Discord. I, I show up and, and like make my presence known 
um, from time to time, but, but, um, more often than not, I'm, I'm kind of just hanging out in the background and seeing, seeing what people are excited about, what they're talking about, what, what they're, what's making them tick. You know, you, you, you get a, a lot of unfettered access to people's, um, emotional clock oh. almost in, via discord. I, I get dismayed a little bit when I see a lot of people just talking about the floor prices, um, or being worried about the hiccups in the marketplace. And that that's a signal to me that, that people are more interested ultimately in the numbers than yeah. in the actual underlying community in the art, which is which can be discouraging. Um, but I think that I am always amazed by um, the level of attention and engagement that you're seeing in these in these communities, because that I think in the future is going to be um, where the value is, right? It's the attention economy for sure. Um, and you see people are passionately uh, glued to these to these rooms. Um, and that is that's a really special thing that we can't discount that, that mm. I think is is kind of remarkable here. I love it. All right. I'm going to ask one or two more questions. But if you have a question, I'd love for you to go ahead and hit that request button. Let's bring some of you guys up. You can ask a question to know about Christie's or any of the auctions that have happened or a personal question about his journey. But please hit that request button and let's get some people up here on stage. Um, and while I'm waiting for someone or a couple people to come on up, um, I, I wanted to just go ahead and expand on that uh, a little further because I absolutely love that you said that you, said that you learned in rooms because even though that sounds kind of creepy but at the same time I feel like that's uh, some alpha when it comes to you know the auction house because it's so true that you want if you're going to be bringing a community or avatar project into an auction house you don't want it just to be uh, a project that everyone is just pumping because they think that the price going up that there's actually a true community there and so I'd love for you to kind of talk about when you looked at like the board apes and like the me bits, what do you saw within those communities that made them kind of special and, and stand out to you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll go even further way back uh, with, with the punks. I mean, that's the, the, the way that I, I found myself on Discord. I actually was really hesitant to join both Discord and Twitter, which which are now my favorite places to be. My, my The only social media that I think matters, I just recently deleted my uh, Christie's Instagram because it had just become a, a cesspool and I never checked in on it. And just shedding a little bit of the old unnecessary social media baggage felt nice. Um, but uh, the first Discord community that I engaged in was was uh, the, the CryptoPunks Discord. And um, I was really self-conscious when I when I first signed up. In fact, my, my first username was was Noah the Poser because I, I thought I was only going to interact with the CryptoPunks Discord. I was just going to show up to sell this thing um, and hope for the best. And then I'll pop in every once in a while. It didn't even really occur to me that I would ever be in more discords than just the, the, the CryptoPunks one. Um, but I mean, pretty quickly, I it became apparent that these people who are hanging out in there are great people. Like they're not, the, my my impression of social media up until that point was a pretty negatively reinforced one. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I mean, the first, the first couple weeks after the people sale, it was just such a maelstrom of, of attention and emotion and, and different people checking in with me and, and trying to, you know, get my attention and my time. Um, and then a lot of people venting and, and being frustrated about the moment. Cause it's a big, it's a big sea change. It's like a humongous, uh, depth charge that went off right so that that drummed up a lot of negative emotions in people too so i had this weird sort of fear of putting myself out there um on discord and on twitter um but that was pretty much immediately blown away by the the positive reception and and just how um knowledgeable the community and the the crypto punks discord especially was um so that really i really became extremely comfortable extremely quickly in there um, and I knew pretty, pretty quickly that, that I was going to be sticking around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just absolutely love, um, just seeing, I mean, it's, it is clear, like when you see a communities, especially the ones that have been around for months now versus ones that are just kind of starting. But as you kind mm-hmm. of st- if, as you're watching Twitter, it's funny. Cause I love that you said discord and Twitter, because you really, you kind of watch what's going on in the discord to see kind of behind the scenes, but then you go to Twitter to see, you know, kind of the activity or how the communities move together. And it is, it's interesting because some of the avatar projects, that's the power. It is the power within the community that makes it something uh valuable mm-hmm. yeah 
totally. I mean, the, 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 it's infectious. That's what it is. Like you get in there and you, and if you feel compelled to stay, if you don't feel like you're being rejected um, by the vibe or literally by the explicit um, you know, messages you're getting from the people in there, then you're, it's, it's a magnetic connection that you feel. And that is really special. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're, if you have some time, we'll take a few questions. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. All right, Michael. Michael's a photographer, and he's always rocking out that GCG gutter cat gang pigeon. I had to bring him up first. Go ahead, Michael. Well, th- thanks so much, Carl. Uh, gang, gang, of course. Uh, <laughs> gang, gang, baby. And, you know, <laughs> thanks for, uh, you know, I mean, your shows are great. And Noah, thank you for taking the time and coming and sharing your uh, experience and uh, story with us. Um, I am kind of wondering what I've been trying. I'm relatively new in this space. I've been following it for a long time. Um, unfortunately, I didn't quite get it back in uh, late 2017, 2018. Mm. Um, and, you know, I work primarily in fashion. I had seen all of Alan's work uh, back then, and I just didn't understand understand it and it took me a while to get there but i'm here now and i'm all in and i love it and i have a lot of friends that are artists uh, around the world and they're photographers and painters and sculptors and all this other stuff and i've been um you know focused on learning as much as i can myself but i'm pretty conversant now in the space i feel like and but i'm having a lot of difficulty in, in onboarding them and i'm wondering if you have any experience in your time within, you know, it, it sounds as if you, you, you know, you really have your foot in both worlds, the traditional mm-hmm. art world mm-hmm. and in the NFT space, which, you know, we are breaking new ground here, but how, like they, a, a lot of people, they just don't get it. They don't understand the, the, the potential for the, the, themselves for the space. And, you know, even beyond just the art world, the blockchain in general, and they think it's some weird, you know, hyped out, fad to which you know I, in in my opinion i i believe everyone here couldn't be more wrong yeah and, yeah you know yeah so i mean like i don't know if you have any you know experience i'm, I'm sure we know some similar people and I, I i am struggling in 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 having these conversations with them to you know what's what's your process how do you help onboard yeah do you have like an elevator pitch for (laughs) (laughs) well usually i start by by whipping out my phone and and getting really excited and and amped um and then i i show them my my metamask and and the nfts that i collect um and kind of poke around into these project pages and so that show them um the glut of information that's available that makes this marketplace so transparent and so unique um, but probably a, a big barrier to entry for, for a lot of people is the, the price point because Ethereum is expensive and, um, collecting NFTs on, on Ethereum, um, is definitely, uh, more daunting probably than, than another blockchain. The, the problem is I don't have any experience collecting or playing around on, on Hen, um, or these other alternatives, Tezos, um, or Solana, but potentially that is one way to make it easier if the financial burden is a little less uh, intense. Um, But I think really just getting them excited about the potential to be a part of a community, if that's something that they want, and if that's something that they value, um, then it can be hugely valuable. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see as we continue, like you were talking about, Noah, with like user interface, as uh, you're able to onboard people, I imagine collections, you know, you have certain projects already thinking about very like lower tier, just like an easy entry to bring people in. Mm, And so I imagine it'll continue to develop where you give people that, you know, like the uh, cool cats are doing the paper cats and just like being able to onboard people uh, in an easier fashion. That's not as much of a burden, but they still feel connected to the project. Uh, and right. I, I think that w- as that continues to develop and they can do it easily on something like Coinbase or Nifty Gateway, there's just one step. It'll be interesting to see how that onboarding allows people to kind of learn and uh, start to explore more. I feel like that is like it, the thing that I've found is once you start to get their, like, once they dabble their toes a little bit, then it's game over because then they're going to start yeah. going down the rabbit hole. 
Right, exactly. If you can, if you can find a way, you know, or or send them, send them an NFT if you have one that 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 um, you can share. I, I think that that's also really a, a a great way to get people excited about it. I mean, my mom has a MetaMask and it's got a couple of NFTs in it that that I I sent her one, Gremlin sent her one, and Aaron Beasley sent her one. Um, so that was that was our way of welcoming her in. Um, Justin Arbersano sent me a cool NFT. Like I, I think there's just so much so much generosity and friendliness in the space and if you can generate that on your own and 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 pass it along it's good karma anyways um but i think that that's a that's one way to do it nfts for christmas this year everyone's getting yes. nfts for christmas 100 <laughs> percent. just trying just trying to describe i was just having dinner with a, a, a person i used to work with um and i was trying to explain to her how amazing Twitter is. <laughs> and she's like, Twitter's the most toxic thing ever. And I'm like, well, maybe in other parts of Twitter, but mm. come into the come into the NFT space and it's the most beautiful community. You're, I mean, it's incredible. So yeah, thank, thank you for, for taking the time. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man, of thanks. course. Yeah, thanks, Michael, for coming up. Uh, and now we got Herb. Herb, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on stage. It's such a pleasure to be here. Noah, you mentioned lurking some of the servers, so I had to ask, <laughs> of the servers that you lurk, who has seen the most of your feet? I got it. Definitely know. the Board Ape Yacht Club <laughs> has had to see a lot of my feet. Not, no, I don't think any nude feet yet. That's a that'll be a real milestone. Um, but so yeah, Noah, the... Noah, yeah. I mean, how can we not go on without talking about how you come in, you put your photo. People don't <laughs> usually do that in chat with PFP projects. And then we said, show us your feet. And you did. Yep. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a voyeur and I, I like to give back. <laughs> well, so Noah, honestly, that was my funny question. And I want to know, I saw some posts about, you know, people want to ask you about what's happening. And I think your attention is being pulled and you just moved and life is happening. And I want to know, how do you balance that? And as you approach this and you don't really have really other peers in the space necessarily yet, like how, how do we who are in those pioneer positions reconcile with, with what that feels like? Man, I mean, that's a, that's a heavy question, dude. I, um, it, it's true. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really hard thing to balance. I did, I did talk about moderation earlier and it's funny because I, we we're we're always good at, at at giving out advice and not taking our own advice, um, but I do struggle with that for sure. I, I find myself constantly um, looking at my weekly uh, or daily screen reports, screen averages. What is that? The name of that report you get on Sundays screen on your phone? Time. The screen time. Yeah. The screen time report. I just see it ticking upwards and upwards and upwards, and it's very very kind of terrifying hockey stick growth. Um, but, um, I think ultimately to stay grounded and spend time with your family and your loved ones and, and your friends and, and not lose sight of, of these other dimensions of your life that make it really fulfilling and lovely. Like that is, that is definitely crucial. Um, I've been trying to on Sunday nights, uh, put my phone down, um, and not look at it after like 5 PM. And I don't look at it until the morning if I can. Um, so that's been one way to go about it. Um, but I definitely could do a better job of this. I think we could all, we all do. I, I was also, I made a joke earlier about going outside and touch the grass, but like you should go out and touch the grass. Like that should be a, a part of the daily routine if at all possible. Um, so yeah, that's definitely might something that I need to do better. Spaces. We might have to do a spaces where we just actually force each other to walk yeah, outside. And everyone goes outside. Yeah. The, the, uh, <laughs> the, the midday siesta walk where everyone just right. goes on a walk outside together. I love that idea. <laughs> no, but for real, I want to give you a shout out to Noah because you actually, uh, you, we had rescheduled this because you needed some time uh, for yourself. And I think that was, that just reminded me. And I, I think I had mentioned this to you, but I, that night I ended up going to dinner with my family too. And it's just uh, it's important when whenever times like that come up where you need a moment not to be afraid to ask for it or to, you know, say, hey, let's postpone and we can do this another time. Um, but I just I thought that was a powerful moment for me just to check myself and see how uh, how I'm kind of interacting in the space and my t my screen time and things like that. So um I think you, even though you said it is a struggle for each of us, I think that was an amazing step where you just kind of led by example. So I appreciate that from you. 
man yeah thank you thank you for saying so yeah that was a wild day that was that was the one year anniversary of my dad passing away yeah. and that you know that is that's another thing that's been driving me too like definitely has been um in the back of my mind at all times i kind of carry that around with me missing my dad all the time and and wishing that he could see this crazy timeline that we're all living in um he's but that was a, he's here with huh? us man he's here with huh? us yeah yeah i know i know yeah, he just, I know he would find this all to just be like the funniest shit. And, and, <laughs> and that is, it's sad that I can't like laugh about it with him, about how amazing it is that we're selling monkey JPEGs for millions of dollars. Like that is, <laughs> there's something really, really beautiful about that. <laughs> yeah, I loved your, your uh, I loved that you shared your, uh, the, the um, video of him too uh, on Sesame Street when, uh, he was on there or was it the Muppets? I think it was the, it's the Muppet show. Yeah, yeah. The Muppet show. That was my so favorite cool. Clip. That was so yeah. cool. I'm, I'm very lucky that he lived in the public eye because I had, he left such a great, you know, an enormous footprint behind that I can go back and, you know, kind of be with him still. Yeah. That was beautiful. Uh, all right, Chris, I brought you up. Did you have a question? Thanks for being here on the show. Uh, uh, yeah, you're having, yeah, we can't hear you, buddy. I'm gonna have to send you send you back down. This is unfortunate. After that, <laughs> this happened to me. I, that happened to me on Farouk's show the other day, or on O'Shiny's show. I got rugged by, by Twitter faces. So. All right, let's see. We can try to let's see if we can try to bring one more person up for a question. And they're connecting. Hold on one second. All right, GDM, are you there, buddy? Hey, GDM, how are you? I think you just finally connected. Hello, hello. Hey, I'm doing well. How about welcome yourself? to the show. Great. Thanks so much for uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming up. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think one thing that I've been really, really excited about in the NFT space has been the completely global nature of it. You know, mm -hmm. Twitter Spaces are going 100% of every day, 24/7, um, and I've, I've met these incredible artists from around the world people who have basically no money to mint on Ethereum, people who are um, living in war zones, people in these incredibly dire straits. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how, um, you know, how do you, how do you think Christie's and other auction houses and sort of larger, um, more established places might look to and try to find these people who are incredibly deserving of recognition, but who are not necessarily able to get it? Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a great point, um, and we're we're trying to be, and this is this is also a a, a kind of uh, pain point for the the space more generally speaking. It's a very homogenous space. I think a lot of the loudest voices in the room are are, are people who who look like me, or young and and white and male, um, and there are definitely a lot of talented, um, not marginalized voices necessarily, but 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 people who are a lot more diverse and come from different backgrounds who have a really beautiful story to tell. Um, so right now in, in London and in, in cooperation with the, uh, you mentioned global. Yeah. So that, that kind of threw my mind to London um, in, in collaboration with the 154 African art fair, we're presenting a new suite of works by Osinachi uh, who is uh, the, the, an African born NFT based artist or, or an artist who works a lot in NFT as, as his preferred medium. Um, and so I'm really excited about that sale. Um, the, the, the five NFTs that we're selling, um, the starting bids on them are like 30,000 great British pounds, which is, I mean, that's, that's expensive. That's still a, a pretty high price point, but for Christie's and for, for NFTs, it's a lot lower than, than where we usually are. Um, so finding space, and time and allotting resources towards highlighting artists like Osinachi, um, uh, that's definitely important to us. And I think we could all do a better job of that instead of just focusing on the, you know, million dollar massive headline sales. Of course, it's going to need to be the crux of our, of our programming. And that's, what's going to be a, a, a projecting this forward or, or, or pushing this forward. Um, but at the same time, we do need to make space actively for for people who who come from a different background who have a different story to tell. So I do I do think that's important for sure, and I want to be able to tell more stories like that and and help out other artists like Osinachi who come from different places and look different than, than everyone else who were selling. Um, this was also what made part of uh, the the Fawocha sale so 
precious and and meaningful to me was getting to help out somebody uh, or to help to promote somebody like Victor so different from the artists that we usually sell. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's an important thing and I'm glad that you brought it up and, and to highlight that is, is really, really important. I love that. I love that you just mentioned too. I, I wasn't aware of the, um, that sale that you, that you, uh, talked about. So now I'm interested and I'm going to have to look. Yeah. OC, yeah. Osinachi there, there's five works, um, which are, they're part of a series. Um, it's, it's people in swimming pools and obviously he's thinking a lot about, uh, David Hockney and the, the. Um, that series that he made in the, the 60s and 70s of, of people in swimming pools, um, some of them directly reference those works, um, but they're really they're really great. They're really compelling. It reminds me a lot of uh, Angedeka Akinyili Crosby, who's one of the most collectible um, young uh, African-American artists working in contemporary art in the blue chip contemporary art space. Um, but he's doing it in a purely digitally native medium. So I'm really excited about that grouping of works. I wish I could be in London. I wish I'm looking forward to the day when we can clone ourselves so I can be in like six places at once. Cause I would really like to be right now in New York, London and San Francisco, but alas, I can only be in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that's uh, that was an amazing question too. Thanks for coming up GDM. And I did, um, it looks like I, I was able to DM Chris who we were having uh, sounded like a robot and he uh, DM'd me his question. So uh, I'll ask this to end us for today, which is he said his question was about NFT as a utility, not the, mm. not the art necessarily, but what uh, you see a potential for like everyday common use for M NFT, such as like how Apple, Apple has uh, integrated Apple Pay for commerce. Like where, um, where do we see NFTs in the real world kind of uh, beyond the art? And if you have any sort of context or ideas, maybe. Oh I, I mean, man, I have no idea. <laughs> I have, I have no idea. The sky's the limit, man. You can use this stuff for, for, for all sorts of different utilities. I, I think that, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but if I was, if I was going to predict it a couple of years ago, how, how blockchain would be a part of the contemporary art world, it would be a, a record keeping tool. That's what I was so, going to say. I think it is a great record keeping tool, uh, for yeah, even like titles, like, I was also, like house. Yeah. And I know. was mentioning, I was mentioning, um, uh, keeping track of passwords, things like that. Like if I could, if I could have an NFT, you know, that, 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 that lives with me and I carry around with me that, that has all of my passwords to my various accounts and <clears throat> excuse me um that that would be an incredible utility but you could also use this for like driver's licenses and uh, and your yeah. passport and and you name it i mean we we, we got to kind of toe the line before it starts to feel a little bit like 1984 orwellian dystopian i mean this is the the double-edged sword when it comes to crypto and blockchain like there's so much utopian potential here but there's also a dystopian potential so it's like we got to be very very careful um with how uh and why uh, we roll out the utility. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it could be used for, for things like passports and credit cards and, you know, you name it. Anything anything that currently exists as a, uh, a, a a thing in your wallet can probably be revolutionized by by blockchain. I love it. And you know that that I love that you brought up the point of like the Orwellian nature too because there is a with some of these privacy networks and privacy blockchains too. I'm sure there's going to be utilization for those for when there's something that, you know, doesn't need to be on the public a public ledger that everyone can see that can kind mm -hmm. of uh like like you said with like a even a passport, even like it's important when you need to show it, but it's not necessarily like anyone in the world needs to be able to look up all of your data and information about where you live. Yeah. And, and that's where like you that. get into the weird, the weird kind of uh, Venn diagram of privacy versus anonymity, which I, I do think are very, very different things, but do have a significant overlap. Um, but trying to zero in on on you know the, the the healthy mix of anonymity and privacy is the most important thing because this is the other like the other utility I think um, for 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 blockchain and and web three and one of the biggest most exciting uh, possibilities here is that we're all going to own our information wholly um, and we will no longer be giving it away basically for free. Um, to these to these massive corporations who get only a, 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 a small snapshot of like who you are and what it is that you want, you'll be able to share as much of that or as little of that as you want with with everyone and you will be compensated for it. That's that's how I see this this evolving 
Um, I don't think that it's 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 going to become apparent to everyone that this is an attention economy, and the people whose attentions are available will be compensated for making them available. Yes, yep, yep. You, it's uh, it's fascinating. I mean, you can tell that you've been paying attention to blockchain longer than a few months because you get you get the uh, underlying tech very very uh, well. So it's, people, uh, it's gonna it's it. People understand it. It's like I had a I had a really weird moment early on when I was doing an interview with like Good Morning America, and they asked me to explain nfts to them like they were a child and i was like if you were a child you'd already get it you know that's yeah that's where we're at now like the, this is i'm i'm learning i'm catching up to the kids it and is, that is really exciting how many 15 to 18 year olds are in the space creating doing amazing things helping build communities it's it's actually uh it blows yeah my look mind at aaron too. look at aaron beasley aaron aaron's amazing aaron bees is, is is so smart and talented and she's 14 and and way richer than me and most people i know so shout out to aaron yeah. um yeah i i'm i believe in the the youth and i believe in in all of this stuff. Um, and I think that there's a, a bright future ahead of us if we want it. Yeah. Yeah. we got to continue to elevate uh, others and then we're going to just be able to continue to see the, all, uh, all ships rise with the tide. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's been so much fun having you on the show. I appreciate you taking time um, to be here. And uh, if you don't already follow Noah, you definitely should. Make sure to go check him out. And if you just came in the last few minutes, I'll also um, upload this podcast here just in a few minutes and um, get it out and send out a link so that if you did miss any part of it, you can listen to the whole thing because it was a, it was a really fun hour of just conversation about NFT and blockchain and Christie's. Uh, so thanks again, Noah, for being here. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I love that. Yes. Okay. This is uh this this is honestly one of my favorite episodes because I've been so fat ever since the um original uh, Christie's announcement about Beeple. I was just always fascinated. Like I uh I actually had gotten scammed at one point by like a fake Christie's <laughs> account, and because I just no. thought, yeah, I mean it was dumb. Somebody was know? running around impersonating. Somebody was impersonating me on um on um whatchamacallit on uh, discord too they, they had yeah. a they had my username my profile picture and everything just a boom out over the e um <laughs> very annoying this was it was back in like october and i was an idiot i was it was back when you know back in like october september of 2020 and things were very new i still didn't understand it was back when punks were just a couple of eth and it was like i was trying to figure out the whole space and then i saw like this christie's account like collecting things i was like oh i'm gonna pay attention to what they collected and i bought a lot of that stuff and it ended up being total shit so uh it's probably all worthless now but that's okay because it and it just took me down the rabbit hole further and now um i'm into collections that actually matter and so we continue to learn and that's another just lesson in the space is that uh as uh, as amazing as it is there's always bad actors and you always just have to be cautious and uh think even the smartest people in the room make mistakes and uh you just have to constantly be self aware as you move in this space yep totally yeah be be safe out there everybody yes be safe <laughs> all right take care cat studios all conversations with crazy carl are for educational purposes only you should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really especially financial advisors take control of your own financial future and do your own research always that's all for now until next time we'll see you in the metaverse <laughs>